If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse 26, and it, of course, is a very familiar reading to us all, especially during the Christmas season. I love the Christmas story from the Bible. The Christmas story, the actual narrative of the birth of our Lord, is found in mainly two of the Gospels. That is the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Luke tells us the story of the birth of our Lord from the perspective of Mary, his mother. And Matthew tells us the perspective of the birth of our Lord from the perspective of Joseph, Mary's husband. And so you take those two and you combine them together and you have this beautiful story of the birth of our Lord. Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? since I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, also has conceived in her old age, for this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the servant of the Lord, let it be according to to me, according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Christmas is the most celebrated holiday in the world. Christmas is celebrated by more people in more nations around the globe than any other holiday or any other commemorative event. But you know as well as I do, and this is not news to us, but you know as well as I do that many people who celebrate Christmas really don't understand the true meaning of Christmas. Ms. Ayers and I were out shopping yesterday. I had so much fun. Out amongst the crowds, and it, you know, it's good to get out there and get out amongst the people and, and get out amongst the crowd and, and be in, in all of that commotion and all of that confusion. But I thought anytime, usually when I get into a crowd, I, I have this thought 
Now, how many of these people know Jesus? How many of them are saved? How many of them are, are uh, know Christ? How many of them will be going to heaven? I, I have that thought, and I often will say a prayer in my heart for them and, and uh, for everyone I see, everyone I come in contact with. And I ask the Lord, Lord, just help me to be good today. Help me to have a good spirit and a good heart. Help me not to be irritated with folks or not upset if they don't get to me in line in time like I think they need to. I just want to be a good witness today. But as I was out among the people, I was thinking, you know, how many of them, as they were hurrying about doing their Christmas shopping, how many of them really understand what Christmas is all about? For many people, Christmas is about the man in the red suit or crowded shopping malls, or parties, and get-togethers, and decorations, and gift-giving, and all of the rest of those things. And those things are not bad. Those things are not wrong. I enjoy those things just as much as anybody else does. But it is also true that none of those things reflect the true meaning of Christmas. Now, we know better, because we've been educated, and we know in our heart what Christmas is all about. Those who truly celebrate Christmas do so by remembering and honoring and celebrating this profound reality. That Christmas is about God sending His only begotten Son into this world where He lived a perfect life. And then in a great act of love and sacrifice for us all, He went to the cross and died there for our sins that we might be forgiven and saved. That is what Christmas is all about. The Christmas story, as it is told in the Bible, is the most dramatic, the most miraculous, and the most compelling story in human history. No other story matches the Christmas story for its dramatic impact upon mankind, its continuing impact upon us all. In this passage, which is a vital part of the Christmas story, we find Luke the historian, a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, a companion of the Apostle Paul, who had taken the time as a careful historian to do careful research on the life of Christ, which produced under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit the Gospel of Luke. We can tell from Luke's description of the Christmas story that he had actually spent time with Mary, the mother of our Lord, probably many, many years after the birth of Jesus when she was much, a much older woman. Luke probably sat down with her. And he asked her, and he wanted to know, Mary, tell me about that. Tell me about the birth of Jesus. Tell me what it was like. And Mary, which had pondered those things in her heart for so long, she shared with Dr. Luke what happened in the Christmas story. In this passage, we find the very simple unadorned, unembellished account of the angel Gabriel making an announcement to a young woman named Mary that she would be the mother of the divine Messiah. (laughs) 
the Savior of the world. God in human flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine such a thing? In this passage, I want us to study it this way. We're going to look at the divine messenger, the divine choice of Mary, the divine greeting, the divine announcement, and then the divine assurance. First of all, the divine messenger. Verse 26, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, contrary to what a lot of people believe, human beings do not become angels when they die. You know, we're all going to watch It's a Wonderful Life this Christmas. But I have to tell you something. Clarence didn't get his wings. Because human beings don't become angels. The Bible says and teaches us that in the beginning, God created the angels. He created them to be His messengers, His servants. He created them to watch over the people of God. By the way, you have been, if you're a child of God, you have been ministered to by angels in ways that you don't even begin to understand. God has cared for you through the ministry of angels. God has interceded in your life through the ministry of angels. Do you know that one day, when you stand before the Lord and your life is reviewed, Unseen things will be shown to you. Things you never even knew happened. And you will be amazed at how angels ministered to you in your own life. God created the angels. And apparently God created the angels with different ranks and different divisions with different responsibilities. God is not a God of confusion. God is a God of order. The highest rank of angels that God created are the archangels. Now, three of the archangels are named in the Bible. One of the archangels named in the Bible is Lucifer. Yes, he was created by God. As he is described in Ezekiel and Isaiah, Lucifer seemed to be the highest ranking God, uh, angel that God created. And yes, it was Lucifer who rebelled against God. And when he was defeated, cast out of heaven, Lucifer became the devil. Another archangel named in the Bible is the archangel Michael. Now Michael seems to be the angel appointed by God to lead the angel armies of heaven. He is, if you will, the warrior angel. And he was also the angel appointed by God to be a protector of the nation of Israel. Another archangel named in the Bible is the angel Gabriel. Now, Gabriel seems to be the messenger of God. When God wants a message to be communicated to someone, he would on occasions in significant ways depend upon Gabriel to deliver that message. It was the angel Gabriel who was sent by God to encourage a prophet by the name of Daniel. Remember Daniel of the lion's den? <laughs> Daniel had seen a vision. And it's recorded in his book. And Daniel didn't know what to make of the vision. And he was praying to God. And he said, God, I don't understand this. Can you help me to understand this? And guess what? God sent Gabriel to Daniel. For Daniel, for Gabriel to explain to Daniel the meaning of the vision that he saw. And to encourage Daniel. 600 years later, God sent this same Gabriel to the temple in Jerusalem. 
There was a man praying in the temple. His name was Zechariah. <laughs> he was an older guy. He was an older priest. He had the once-in-the-lifetime opportunity of, playing, of praying in the holy place while the people were outside praying. He was the one that had been chosen to deliver this very special prayer to God. And while Zechariah was praying in the temple, Gabriel appeared to him. And Gabriel said to him, God's heard your prayers. You don't have a child, but guess what, Zechariah? Even though you're old and Elizabeth, your wife, is old, God is going to enable you to come together and you're going to have a child. Even though you're well beyond years of bearing a child. And that child is going to be a son. And that son is going to be John the Baptist, the forerunner, the announcer of the Messiah. Six months later, that's the six months that is referred to in this passage. Six months after Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, God sent Gabriel to a very small village in the province of Galilee in Israel, an out-of-the-way place, not on any kind of major highway whatsoever, a place that didn't have a very good reputation among the cities of Israel, to a place called Nazareth. God sent Gabriel there to make a birth announcement. It's exciting when someone says, hey, we're going to have a baby. <laughs> and we get excited about that. Well, this is the most significant birth announcement the world has ever known. God sent Gabriel to announce the single, now listen, the single most monumental and significant event in human history. God sent Gabriel to announce to a young girl the birth of the Savior, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have the divine messenger. Second of all, you have the divine choice of Mary. Verse 27, Gabriel was sent to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The announcement of this miraculous birth, the miraculous birth of Jesus, came to a very young girl who lived in Nazareth, and her name was Mary. Now Luke's a very careful historian, so he has some details about Mary. And he includes these details because they're important. First of all, he says that Mary is a virgin. That is a word, the word translated virgin refers to a person who's never had physical relations. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a virgin. The world today may make fun of and scoff at people who are virgins. But we know that it's God's will that a man and a woman remain a virgin until they are married. There's nothing wrong with being a virgin. Second of all, Luke says that Mary was betrothed. Now that's an older kind of word. What it means is Mary was engaged to be married. <laughs> now that's an exciting time. You know, the young girl, the men, they don't ever show off their ring because men are not important when it comes to being married. Can I get a witness, guys? We're just, you know, we're, we're necessary add-ons to a wedding. But the girls, the lady has got to show off her ring, and everybody's excited about her ring. Well, Luke says Mary was betrothed. She was engaged 
to be married. And that's exciting. Now, in the Jewish culture of that day, girls usually became engaged to be married somewhere between the ages of 13 and 16 years of age. Now, that was that culture. And then, most engagement periods lasted a year. And then at the end of that year, after the groom-to-be, the husband-to-be had prepared the home and gotten everything together and everything was in place, then the marriage ceremony was held. And so Mary was engaged to be married. This young girl, she was probably no more than 16 years of age. The third thing Luke says about Mary is that she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now, the Bible doesn't really tell us a whole lot about Joseph. But Joseph probably was a little older than Mary. The Bible does tell us he was a carpenter. Now, that day, what that meant was he was a builder of homes and and, uh, furniture and farm implements and instruments. And he built tables and chairs and he would work with wood and and stone. He was a a hardworking man. Carpentry was a very necessary and a very needed profession of that day. People depended on carpenters for what they needed in their homes or around the farm. But being a carpenter was not a very lucrative profession. Joseph was by no means a rich person at all. He was not of the elite class of society. Joseph was a hardworking, everyday man. He was of the common people, and so was Mary. But there was one thing special about Joseph, and the same thing was true about Mary as well. They were both descendants of King David. The Bible had prophesied that it would be out of the line of King David that a very special child would be born who would be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And so you have this divine messenger and the divine choice of Mary. Third, you have the divine greeting. Verse 28, and having come in, the angel said to Mary, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Isn't that a great greeting? (laughs) Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, when she saw the angel, she was troubled. at Not only the sight of the angel, but at the saying. And she didn't know what to make of the greeting that the angel had given to her. Then the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. The phrase having come in implies that Mary was in her house. She was apparently alone when the angel Gabriel appeared to her. Now we don't know what she was doing. Maybe she was combing her hair in front of the mirror. Maybe she was washing dishes. Uh, Whatever her assignment in the house was. Maybe everybody was gone to the market. Nobody was around in her home. We don't know what she was doing, but apparently she was all alone, minding her own business, when all of a sudden, an angel appeared to her. Having an angel appear to you would be pretty stunning, wouldn't it? And pretty troubling. Can you imagine what the angel Gabriel looks like as he comes to earth? And appears before this 16-year-old girl. Imagine that, 16 years old. Mary was stunned 
as we all would be when this angel appeared to her. But she was even more stunned by what this angel said to her, by the greeting that this angel had for her. Mary, Gabriel greeted Mary with this announcement. She had found favor with God. And the Lord was with her. And she was blessed among all women. And then he said, Mary, don't be afraid. For God has chosen you for a very special purpose. Luke said that Mary was troubled. The word means stunned. Dumbfounded. Astonished. Speechless. At the appearance of this angel... And not only at his appearance, but also at his greeting. And you can imagine what Mary was thinking. God? God has sent the angel Gabriel to me? To say this to me? A humble, peasant, teenage girl? Living in a town on the backside of nowhere. Nobody knows my name outside my family and outside of my community. God has sent Gabriel. This is the angel he sent to Daniel. God has sent this angel to me. And this angel says this to me. Mary was troubled, the Bible says, because she didn't know what this meant. And it's important we understand why Mary found favor with God. Don't you hope today that you find favor with God? Now, God loves us all. He does. But don't you hope when He looks at your life that he, you find favor with God? Mary did not find favor with God because she was sinless, as some groups claim. Mary was not sinless. She was a sinner. She herself confessed in her song of praise later on when she went to Elizabeth's home that she needed a Redeemer, a Savior. She needed a Savior. It's interesting. Mary, did you know, is a song we all love. There's one line in that song that is so significant. That the child that she delivered would soon deliver you. Mary needed a Savior. And that Savior would be the son she would bear. Why did Mary find favor with God? Mary found favor with God because she loved God with all of her heart. A simple, sincere Honest, true, real love for God. Not everybody who talks about loving God actually does. Mary was a moral young woman. She was a virgin. She was committed to living a pure life. A holy life. A godly life. A life in obedience to God. She was a woman of great character. She was a woman of great faith. She was a woman of worship. She was a woman of prayer. And she was a woman of great courage. Mary was willing to do whatever God wanted her to do, no matter what it cost 
and no matter the consequence. Mary is one of the great figures in all of the Bible. We are to honor her for her faith, her commitment to God, and her courage. She is one of the great heroes of the Bible. We're not to worship her or pray to her. That's idolatry. But we are to admire her for who she is. And so this angel came. And this angel delivered this greeting. Now just use your God-given gift of imagination to see that scene. Mary in her home, 16 years of age. Can't wait to get married to Joseph. Things seem to be going well, but she's 16. I had a daughter one time who was 16, and I got good news. I survived. 16. And then this angel comes and makes the stunning greeting. And Mary was troubled. Now, we can't appreciate the reality of what that was like, but we can have some kind of idea. So we have the divine messenger, the divine choice, the divine greeting. And then the divine announcement. Gabriel made an announcement to Mary after he greeted her. And if Mary was stunned by Gabriel's greeting, she was even more stunned by the announcement that he made. Verse 31. The angel said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. He will be the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He's the Messiah. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, Israel, forever. And not only Israel, but of his kingdom there will be no end. He's the Lord of all. Gabriel told Mary that she was going to have a baby. (laughs) She was going to have a son. And the son that she would bear would not be an ordinary child. Gabriel told Mary that she was to name this child Jesus. The word Jesus means Jehovah saves. God saves. You know, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. There's no other name like Jesus. There's no other name that has the impact on those who hear it than the name of Jesus. There is no other name with the power that the name Jesus has. Let me tell you about the power of Jesus. I uttered that name one time in my life. I said these words from my heart. Jesus, I'm lost. I want to be saved. Oh, God, change my life. And when I said Jesus saved me, you know what he did? He did. He saved me. It is a life-changing name. Gabriel told Mary that her son Jesus would be great. The original word that is translated great is mega. You've heard of that. Something that is mega is something that is great. Jesus is the greatest person who's ever lived. I hope you appreciate Jesus for who he is. Yes, he's God, but he's the greatest person who's ever lived. There is no one greater than Jesus. 
There is no one who's had a greater impact on the world. There's no one who's had a greater impact on the course of this world. There's no one who's had a greater impact on the lives of multitude millions than Jesus. It's the sweetest name and the greatest name, and He is the greatest of all. Jesus is great because He's the Son of the Highest. He's the Son of God. He's the promised Messiah. He is God in human flesh. Mary was a virgin. The virgin birth is central to the identity of Jesus as the Son of God. You see, the wonder and the miracle of Christmas is not that a baby was born. Now, that's a wonderful miracle, and that is a wonder, and that happens every day. It's exciting when a baby is born. But the wonder and miracle of Christmas is that the baby that Mary bore was the Savior, the Son of God, the promised Messiah, God in human flesh. And so Gabriel told Mary, you're highly favored. And God loves you. And God has a plan for you. And God has a task for you. And that task is you're going to have a son, and he will be great. He will be the son of the highest. He will rule over the house of Israel forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. You will be the mother of the Messiah, the Son of God, God in human flesh. Next, I want us to see the divine assurance. Now, Gabriel made it very clear to Mary, and the language that he used in this announcement made it very clear that her conception of this child would not happen in the future after she got married to Joseph. Gabriel made it very clear to Mary that the conception of this child would happen immediately. Not later, after she got married, but immediately. Even at that moment, when the announcement was made. And so in response to this, Mary, she's a 16-year-old girl, and she's been confronted by an angel, and she's heard this greeting and this announcement. So she asked a question. I remember when our daughter was 16 years old. If I had a dollar for every question, I'd be retired in Florida somewhere, probably. She had a question. Now, Mary didn't ask her question because she was doubting what Gabriel had said. She asked this question because she didn't understand. She didn't understand how she, a virgin, could be pregnant with a child. She said, I, I don't know a man. I've never known a man. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel uh, answered and said to her, here's how it's going to happen. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of Almighty God will overshadow you. And therefore also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Gabriel told Mary that the conception of this child would be a miracle. It would be an incarnation. It would be a divine act of God. As promised in the Old Testament, the birth of Jesus, the birth of the Messiah, was a miraculous virgin birth, born of a virgin through the incarnation. And so Gabriel told Mary, don't worry about that. 
Here's how this is going to happen. God's going to overshadow you, and this child will be a miracle child. Now, what was the response of Mary to the stunning incident, the stunning announcement to her from God? What was her response? Look at verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. Mary responded to God with a complete surrender of her life to God's will. And when she uttered those words in verse 38, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. In that moment, no doubt, that moment of surrender to the will of God, it was at that moment that Mary became pregnant with the divine Son of God by the power of God. Now, we don't understand, perhaps, the courage it took for Mary to say to the angel and to God, I will do anything you want me to do. Her surrender to God was a great act of courage and faith. Think about it. Who would believe that she was still a virgin? Would her family? Would her friends? Would her rabbi? Would the synagogue? Would Joseph? What would Joseph say when he found out that she was pregnant and they had never been together? What would her parents say? What would the community say? You see, Mary understood the import of this. Mary knew that if she said, yes, be it unto me according to your will, then everybody would turn against her. And she would be accused of adultery which was in that society then punishable by death. And Gabriel didn't say, don't worry about it, Mary, God's going to take care of this. Gabriel didn't say anything about how God would take care of all of that and how God would take care of her. Mary didn't know how God was going to handle that. God didn't tell her. And yet he will, she willingly submitted herself to the will of God. And she said, be it unto me according to your will. Christmas is about Jesus, the Son of God. God Himself who came into the world to die on the cross for your sins and mine and to rise again to make our salvation possible. Christmas is about Jesus. But do you also understand that Christmas is about you? Christmas is about you. What have you done with Jesus? Have you received Him and the gift of love that He offers? Have you with Mary surrendered your life to Him? What does Jesus want from you? He didn't want a little bit of your time once a week. He he doesn't want you to make a little room in your life for Him. You know what Jesus wants from you? He wants your total and complete Absolute surrender to Him as the Lord of your life and as your Savior. Christmas is about you. What have you done with Jesus? Have you received Him? Have you surrendered your life to Him? How should you respond to Jesus? I would say that we should respond to Jesus just like Mary did. Let it be unto me according to your will. Yes, 
I believe. Yes, I surrender. You are my Savior, and you are my Lord. You will never know what Christmas is all about until you give your life to Christ and surrender to Him as your Savior and Lord. By the way, our current president's wife said that Beyonce was a good role model for her daughters. Now, you didn't see that coming out of anywhere, did you? But I would tell you this. Of all of the role models in the Bible that you could find for any kind of young woman, Mary's the one. In fact, she's a role model for all of us. Her faith, her courage, her commitment, her surrender. You can find favor with God as well as we follow Mary. I would encourage you to receive Christ today. The greatest gift of all is the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you've never received that gift, you haven't received the gift that God wants to give to you. Give your life to Christ. You say, well, I don't know what that means. I'd be happy to help you to understand as we pray.